So we are going to change up our teaching series right now a little bit. We've been in the life of David, been looking at this man who had such a strong heart for God. We're going to depart from that this morning to kind of speak to uh, the issues of our culture right now. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. So we'll, we'll see, uh, kind of go a week at a time here. But we do want you to know um, we're going to function normally throughout the week. The church office will be open. We just want to say this repeatedly. Um, we will be here as pastors and staff. If you want to stop by for prayer, if you need something, if you want to volunteer, we're going to give you some fresh volunteer opportunities a little later in the message. We are going to curtail any public gatherings here during the week. So if any of you are part of the group of people who walk here in the mornings, we're going we're gonna to put an end to that. Um, also, playland gatherings or any gatherings in the gym. So we know you're off school, but... We want to restrict any public gatherings in the gym for any kind of games or activities this week as well. So what we want to do this morning is take you to a couple of texts that I think are very familiar to you, but are great reminders of the confidence we can have right now. The first one of those is Philippians chapter 4. invite you to turn there. And uh, Pastor Matt, we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit this morning. So Pastor Matt's going to take us through Philippians 4, then we'll look at Romans 8. A little later, so why don't you introduce us and get us started here? Yeah, like Pastor Matt said, we are again departing from the Life of David series, and the reason for that is because we really want to address kind of the elephant in the room that everybody is thinking head on. Um, how should we, how can we as Christians react uh, and think about the situation that our world is in? How should we respond as a church to this pandemic? Uh, and, and so we want to deal with that with three questions. And if you have your bullets, and you can take those out. There's no notes in there because we kind of switched this up last minute. But you can write these three questions down. Three questions we want to answer this morning is, where is our peace? Where is our confidence? And what is our mission? Where is our peace? Where is our confidence? And what is our mission? And Crossroads, this is our time to shine. During this season of panic and fear... The church was made for this time, and some say that the church is the hope of the world. Uh, to be a steadying peace, a loving force, and a serving army to the world. Uh, but in order to do that, we have got to get a handle on our fear and anxiety. Uh, and that's why we want to look at Philippians 4 together. So let's read that together uh, as we answer this question of where is our peace found. So we're going to start in, in verse 4. This is what the Word of God says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, if we're ever going to have a center of peace, if we're ever going to have peace in these troubled times, it has to start with rejoicing. And you might think, really? Are you crazy? How can you have joy in a time like this? Are you seriously telling me that I should be joyful? Um, yes, actually. Uh, in fact, if you were to read scripture over and over throughout the scripture, it talks about our attitude when we face trials of many kinds. James chapter 1, Romans chapter 5, both of these and this passage in Philippians 4 talk about the fact that we should consider it joy when we face trials because our joy as Christians is not dependent on our circumstances. It's a non-contingent joy. And I love that Paul says here in verse 4 that we rejoice, not in our circumstances, but in the Lord. That we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is above and beyond our circumstances, no matter what we may face. Uh, and so I think what we need to do first of all, before we even go any farther, is just stop for a second and think. Get some perspective 
in, in a world that's kind of lacking it at some points. Who is in charge? Who is in charge of our world? And sometimes it's beneficial to just stop and think about it, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He was Lord before this pandemic started, and he will be Lord after it is over. All through it, he will be the Lord of our lives. And when you stop and think about that, it kind of gives you perspective. Like, okay, Jesus is still in charge. That's still true. And I love how Paul ends verse 5. Look at it. What's the last statement there? It says that the Lord is near. That Jesus is not far from his people in times of trouble. In fact, he is near. His word says that he is near to the brokenhearted. I love Psalm 46, 1, where it says that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's not absent when, when everything hits the fan. If anything, he is more present. And when you and I come to our trials or to our circumstances with an attitude of joy, it allows us to have a perspective that other people might not have. In fact, that's what Paul says in verse 5. He says, then when you do that, let your gentleness be evident to all. And Matt, you guys were talking this week in Bible study about that word gentleness and, and, and how that's really related. So why don't you just share with us a little bit of what you guys discovered. Yeah, it's really an interesting word in verse 5 that's translated gentleness. It's only used about five times. In the New Testament, two of those are on the list of qualities of elders and deacons, so they should be gentle in that way. But the word is translated some different ways here with different versions, and it really carries the idea, I think, of temperance. When you think of temperance, you can just kind of think of that as uh, an attitude that just doesn't get rattled much, that stays fairly steady and consistent. And so the old King James Version actually uses the word forbearing here for gentleness, to just forbear, and, and I think to bear with people when they're kind of up and down emotionally a lot, like people are in our culture right now, y you have to have this temperance, this steadiness. The uh, English Standard Version actually translates this reasonableness. Hmm. I love that word. Hmm. Let your reasonableness be evident to all. Hmm. And if there was ever a time in our society to let God-centered reasonableness champion, it is right now. You've probably all had conversations in the last week with people who are just kind of gripped with fear, and you might feel from your own perspective that they are just way overreacting. Mm -hmm. Other people you've talked to maybe on the other end have been incredibly cynical, and they're kind of people who are talking about conspiracy theories in relation to this virus and all this, and you're going, what? Uh, what we need to do, church, we have opportunity here to demonstrate a peaceful reasonableness mm. Mm -hmm. that, doesn't, that isn't affected by these extremes of emotion mm. that we're seeing in culture right now in response um, to this pandemic. Mm. So it's an awesomely relevant word for us and, and one that when we, when we have that in Christ, we can just come across as non-judgmental mm -hmm. of what other people are feeling or thinking we can come across very gentle mm -hmm. in a reasonable way. When you do that, you rise above the circumstances and you're able to be level-headed and Scripture says sober-minded uh, in the midst of this. And so I want to encourage you to be gentle to three different audiences that you're likely going to interact with. Uh, first of all, be gentle to your neighbors. Be gentle to your neighbors. Jesus said, who is my neighbor? It's anyone that's in your proximity that you come in contact with, not just your next door neighbors. But I would say one way you can do that is don't hoard. <laughs> you know, we've, we're in the panic buying phase. 
But if you have things that other people need, if you got the TP, give someone else the TP. You know what I'm saying? Right? You didn't expect the pastor to talk about toilet paper in the service, but hey, we were texting. We're we were texting yesterday. Our small group meets tonight, and we were texting about whether you guys want to meet tonight or what are you thinking. Yeah. And one of the texts back in the chain was, "Do you have toilet paper?" <laughs> yes. Why we're panicking toilet paper, I have no idea. But again, reasonable, share with those who are in need. Uh, and, and another thing that I would just encourage you with is, as you love your neighbors and be gentle, is not to put them at risk, to protect uh, your neighbors. Uh, maybe you're young and you're unafraid of, of, of what this sickness represents because you're not at medical risk. But one of the ways that we love others is by protecting those that are medically at risk. Our neighbors, our elderly, our medically at risk people, many of which are watching online right now, we can love our neighbors well uh, by protecting, by practicing good hygiene, by uh, obeying the laws of the land, which leads to a second point that we really need to be gentle to our government and our state leaders and our city leaders. Uh, this is a time where we come into complaining mode whenever the government does anything. But just let's just be honest. No one wants to have to make these decisions. No one does, right? No government leader takes joy and pleasure in canceling the MBA or whatever else it might be that are canceled nowadays. So let's give them grace and be gentle and honor our leaders. Romans 13 talks about that. And pray for our leaders, 2 Timothy 2. They need our prayers now more than ever. They don't need our grumbling and complaining and thirdly, I'd say be gentle to your enemies. And by enemies, I mean those who disagree with you. Uh, the underreactors or the overreactors, this is not a time to be political. This is not a time to have political debates. This is a time to be rejoicing and being gentle. But that's really hard to do when you are freaked out. And that's where I think Paul goes next in verse 6. He says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Many of you know my story. I've shared that in our church body before, that I've struggled with anxiety for the better part of eight or nine years. Uh, I've had panic attacks. I've taken anxiety medication. Uh, and, and so this time in our lives right now, this last couple weeks, has been a moment for me where I've been really tempted to jump on that crazy cycle of anxiety. In fact, I'll just full confession, last night didn't sleep well. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you today, I'm going to tell you, don't worry. And then I'm worrying myself. And, and so we're all in this together. We all can have those freak out moments. So let me tell you what the scripture says and what I did uh, last night even Pour out your heart to the Lord. Let your anxieties be given over. Pour those out to the Lord. Uh, a good way to think of this is venting to the Lord. Venting vertically, not on social media, not to a friend or a text, but vent to God first. Pour out your anger, your frustration, your worries. Say things like what I said last night. God, I'm afraid. I'm freaking out. I don't even know why I'm freaking out. This is literally what I said last night. I don't even know why I'm so afraid, but I am. And express that to the Lord and tell him what you feel. You know, anxiety, it's been said, is living out the future before it happens. And so when you're having anxiety, it's because you're trying to live out the logical conclusions of your fears. And what I'm telling you and what God's word is saying is give those conclusions over to the Lord and entrust yourself to the one who is in control. One of my favorite verses that I memorized as a little kid was uh, Psalm 56, verse 3. You might want to memorize that. And it says, when I am afraid, 
I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Now that verse is good for a toddler, but it's also good for a fully grown man. Because we all get scared. And when we are afraid, we can put our confidence and our trust in God and in him as our refuge. But I love the assurance of verse, of verse 7. Because Paul says, when you do this, when you pour out your soul, then he says, then the peace of God, which transcends understanding. Why can you be at peace? Which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Not it might, not maybe, but it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Matt, you can share a little bit just about your own experience in that. Yeah, I love your emphasis on will, because that will happen here. And our prayer for you is that a year from now, five years from now, you'll be able to testify about how amazing that peace of Christ was that ruled your heart through the coronavirus season. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, you know, I've lived long enough, multiple decades that have gone through some things that nobody wants to go through necessarily. And Lenine and I remember a time, it's been over 20 years ago now, when we just had an awful year. It's when we lost our first parent of my two parents and her two parents. We lost her father. He had a long bout with cancer and we love that man, and, and I was anxious about when he died, how was Lenita going to react, because she loved her daddy. And I did too. We did so much together with him, and in that season, uh, also a nephew was, was killed in a car accident, and then a couple months later, he passed away. And I remember talking with Lenita in those days of grief, and I don't mean to minimize grief here at all, but just saying, like, we're doing better than we thought we would right now. And it wasn't because we weren't grieving. We were grieving, but there was the peace of Christ that was just mm -hmm. ruling that kind of lifted you above that. And for the first um, real loss in our lives from, from a close family member, I think we were both just surprised at how strong God's peace was. And, you know, mm -hmm. I've experienced that some of these last few days as, mm -hmm. as things have changed so much. I, I can't, I couldn't have, no one could have predicted last week, a week ago Sunday, how different culturally things would be today than they were just a week ago. And yet that peace of Christ, it's, it's just okay, you know? And so that's what Matt's talking about. And that's yeah. our prayer for you, that as you look back on this kind of crazy time in our lives, you'll be able to testify about the peace of Christ that mm -hmm. lifted you up. Amen. I heard one pastor, doctor, say it like this. He said that Christians can demonstrate sanity, peace, and hope. Because we recognize that our lives do not depend on the entry of a microorganism into our bodies. Mm. Instead, it depends on the God who determines the beginning and the end of our history here on earth. And when we have that perspective, it changes how we react. And this is not something that's going to be over quickly in your own mind. I'm just going to imagine that you're going to try this. And God's going to give you some peace. But you might feel that fear coming back. And so this is a continual Lastly, Paul says, a redirecting of your mind to what's true. And he says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received of, or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And so what we need to continually do is redirect our mind. I like to think about it just very visually. So when you're prone to look at the world and all the stuff that's going on, maybe you need to take a break from Facebook, I'm just saying, right? And you're looking at all this stuff, look upwards. Continually look up to God. Colossians 3 says to fix your mind on, on things above. 
that you continually look up to where Christ is seated on the throne. And Jesus said in John 8, 32, that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We don't have to be a slave to the moment, but we can be set free by the truth of God's word, by the truth of Christ. Faith doesn't mean that we're naive, doesn't mean that we ignore the facts, doesn't mean that we ignore what's going on. If anything, it means that in the midst of the pressure and danger, when the truth that we thought was true doesn't feel true anymore, we redirect our minds to it. We redirect our minds. When it doesn't feel like God is true, we redirect our minds to him and our minds are strengthened and our faith is strengthened. And so I would just give you three questions that you could ask yourself to get off the crazy cycle in your mind. If you want to write these down, these are the questions I asked to myself. I asked them to myself last night. Here's the first one. Is God still good? Is God still good? Number two, does God still love me? And number three, is my hope secure? These are questions you can ask yourself no matter what your circumstance is. Even if a worst case scenario is worrying you in your mind. Is God still good? Does God still love me? Is my hope secure? And the overwhelming answer to all of those is yes! Exclamation point. God is always good and he always loves you and your hope is secure. And when you know that, it frees you from this slavery to fear. Because you know God is going to be with you. And so that leads us to our second question we want to answer this morning, that if that's where our peace is found, then where does our confidence come from? I want to, we know that in our mind that the answer to those three questions is yes, but I want to take you to a text of Scripture that mm-hmm. clearly proclaims that, mm-hmm. that you can meditate on and ponder during these days. And that's Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn there. We're going to pick it up in verse 31. And I love the question Paul starts with in verse 31. It's a great question for us as the church to ask, in this particular context. Paul says in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? Isn't that great? What shall we say in response to this pandemic that is so changing life, really for everybody on the planet? What shall we say in response to these things? And then Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? A rhetorical question saying, look, God is for us. We have the God of the universe who's watching out for us. He doesn't change. This pandemic didn't surprise him. We're okay. We really are. Let me read on here. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul goes on and he says, for I'm convinced, and I love that word, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just want to summarize that with four quick points for you. And the first one is some language that Scripture doesn't use, but we use today. First one is this, we're good in Jesus. Mm. (laughs) We just are. 
What should we say in response to this? I'm good. Not because I'm all that, not because I have something somebody else doesn't, but because I have more toilet paper. It's because I'm in Jesus. And he's got this. And he's on our side. We can confidently say, I'm good in Jesus. So when you ask those three questions, remember, yeah, the answer is I'm good in Jesus. Number two, and this is what this text proclaims, it talks about Jesus interceding for us. And so we're stating it this way. Jesus is working right now for us, for you and me, in fellowship with the Holy Trinity. He's contending for us. This virus didn't surprise God. Our Lord's been preparing for it. He's been preparing His church for it. He's got you, and He's contending for you in ways that we can't see, can't imagine, but it's true. He's interceding for us. He's watching over us. He's contending for us in the midst of kind of a crazy time of life. It's an amazing truth. It's amazing truth to think that Jesus is praying for you. Have you ever thought about that? If you want to know what he's praying for, you could read John 17. That's the high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying for his church. He prays for protection for his father to watch over them. Uh, it's just a great picture of the Lord's heart for us. What an amazing truth that Jesus is for us. He's got our back. Hmm. Thirdly, this text teaches us, that, I read it, that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so we can't. As Americans, you know, we like to be in control and we like to plan and we schedule all this stuff. Well, all our plans are, you know, kind of done here. <laughs> um, A.D. Mendoza and myself and some other younger pastors were to go to Africa in about 10 days. And we're going to have to cancel that trip tomorrow. Um, and that's really unfortunate. You can pray that our African partners will <laughs> understand that. I think they will now because Africa is taking some security measures as well. But what we do and we plan for so long is just upset now. But that doesn't separate us from the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't separate the love our African partners have for us and we have for them just because we're not going to be able to see each other mm -hmm. in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the reality. Nothing can change the reality of you being in the center of the love of Jesus for you. That's an awesome thing to hang on to in these times. And the fourth thing, it just says we are conquerors in Christ. The text, Paul actually says we're more than conquerors. Not sure what he means by that, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> Not only can we lift above the, be raised above this by the power of Christ, but we're more than conquerors <laughs> over this. I, and I'm, I'm praying that we'll see that in the days to come and that we'll testify about that to our children and our mm. grandchildren someday. You know, when you have this confidence in God, it, it doesn't change the fact that your circumstances are hard uh, and, and that you still have to go through the circumstances in your life. I like to think about it when I was playing basketball in high school. I was not all that, but whatever. I loved playing. But we, I remember there was a difference in our opponent when we knew that we had it. When we were playing trotting, like, wow, this team is much more athletic. They're not as good. So when you understand that you've already won and you have victory in Christ, your attitude towards the game that you're about to play or the, the circumstance you're about to go through totally changes. When you're confident in him, it's like, we got this, man. So, so did you throw up more three-pointers when you were confident like I that? Tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Did they go in? Uh, yeah, of All course. right, there, boy. Yeah. I knew they would. Yeah. 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 So here's what we need to do, and this is our third point this morning. What's our mission? We need to be throwing up more three-pointers right now. Let's go. Okay, this is our moment, church, because mm. we have something mm. the fearful people of the world don't have. Mm. 
So it's, it's our moment. And I kind of forgot to read this text, the other two services, but I think I will now. From 2 Corinthians mm -hmm. chapter 1, let me just read a few verses. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. That's what God is doing for us right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a higher purpose for that. Same sentence, Paul goes on to say, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from the Lord. So God's comfort for us, his help for us in this season is not just for us, yep. it's a missional opportunity mm -hmm. for us to extend that comfort to others who need to be reminded of who they are in Christ and the love of Christ and maybe who need to hear about the love of Christ. And I mm. could go on and it says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Mm. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. And that's the comfort that comes from the Lord. Mm. So church, we need to ramp up our mission in this time. And we want to suggest some practical ways for you to do that. And, and like I said, the, our office is open during the week. Come, we can talk about that. We can pray with you. We can resource you to help your neighbors. This might be an awesome time to think about a Samaritan match, a financial match to your neighbors if they're in need. Um, if it meets the criteria, we'll match that and, and extend your goodness and your ministry to the people around you. Um, I'm more at risk to this virus. Um, and we don't know exactly how we're going to do that, but we got a list of volunteers already. We're just mm -hmm. asking people, call into the office, give us your grocery list. We'll do the mm -hmm. best we can. We'll send somebody out. We'll pick them up. We'd, we're not going to run the money through the church. We'd ask you to put it on a credit card of your own. Get to know. Um, you've challenged the teenagers for some child care. Tell yeah, us about that. There are other families... Uh, for, by God's grace, my wife gets to stay home with our young children, but some who have to go to work are going to have to find childcare for, for their children. So we have a lot of teenagers that are going to be bored for the next couple months. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so here's a good way, and I've encouraged our teenagers already, so I'm not saying anything they don't know. I've already sent out texts to all of our students to be thinking and praying about considering offering your services as a free childcare worker or at least a minimal cost childcare worker to help those families who still need to go to work to provide, but we're counting on the school or preschool to watch their children, which is obviously right now not an option. So I've got a list right now of like five or six students that are willing to do that for free. Uh, and so if you have interest or need for childcare and you're kind of stressing about that, because that's the other aspect of this, because of the panic, it's affecting us in more ways than one, not just our health, but also our finances and childcare and all that. So if there's ways that we as a church can come together, that's awesome. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Hmm. And so when the world watches us love each other well, man, that speaks so powerfully to the gospel that it's at work within us. And we can image Jesus and his, his sacrificial love for us in how we love one another. So I encourage you to do that. And finally, we want to keep worshiping together. Like we're doing this morning, either through the the live feed on Facebook or here. We're not sure about our services next week publicly. We'll let you know about that. We'll communicate, so stay in touch with us on Facebook. Um, but we want to worship together. We're, whether we're in proximity together or not, we need to keep doing that. We need to keep exalting mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who is our security and our hope, our confidence, and our peace in this time.
Mm. Um, and certainly a big part of worship is our prayers. Mm -hmm. Prayers of gratitude, of thanks, prayers that the Holy Spirit would compel us to be faithful to the mission Christ has given us in this time. Prayers of intercession for people who maybe are at risk or struggling with fear in response mm -hmm. to this. Um, Matt's got a great quote he found from a pastor this week that is a good summary of this. It's uh, from another pastor in the States here and in Mitch Kim. He says, as the virus brings the world to its knees, we as a church minister from our knees. Being humbled is a place where we can receive and release grace. This virus, this little microorganism has humbled our planet. And we know as Christians that humility is good. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he is not opposed to us, but yet comes near to us and hears our prayers and gives us grace in our time of need. So we continually go before the Lord in prayer on our knees for our co-workers, for our city, for our officials, for our government, for our world, uh, and, and see what the Lord does through that. In fact, we're going to pray through a scripture here as we close as just one way to see that happen. Let me read that for you. It's from Ephesians chapter 3. You don't need to turn there. But Paul prays this for the church. I think it's super relevant for us today. Paul says in 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Hmm. That's what we're praying for you. Amen. Want to lead us? Yeah, let's just pray through that scripture together. Father, we pause and, and recognize that you are sovereign over all things. There is nothing that is out of your control in heaven or on earth. There is no cell in our body that is out of your control. Everything is underneath you. You are the maker of everything and you own it all. And so we come to you, Lord, as the sovereign ruler of all and we pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us, your people, with power through your Holy Spirit uh, in our inner being, that we would experience the inner power of your spirit at work in us so that our faith in Jesus Christ would, would resonate in our hearts and that we would increase in our faith, that this suffering and these trials would not weaken us in our faith, but strengthen us and work our faith out, that we would see character develop, that we would see strength and develop through Jesus Christ and that you would help us, Lord, in our minds to grasp the depth of your love, how wide and deep and, and, and high and, and amazing is your love for us. And that your word says that when we understand that we're loved, perfect love casts out fear. And when we know that we are loved by you, we are unafraid of punishment, of eternal uh, consequences, Lord. Our hope is secure in you. So, Lord, would you, would you help us to dwell in and sit in your love and experience your love, uh, not just experientially, but cognitively, that we would know it's true. So when we're prone to doubt, we can go back to what we know. God, would you do that, I ask. Mm. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. 
God, we expect and anticipate that you are going to do immeasurably more than we ask or even than we could imagine in these weeks. You promised to do that. We trust in you to do that. And we hold on to you. We've anchored our security in you. We look to you for our peace, for our joy, for our confidence. And we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. So God, show your power. Advance your kingdom in this difficult season. And work whatever you want in us, Lord, that we can be a part of that for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.